bad teams, there's no leadership. Medium teams are led by their coaches. Great teams are led by their players. And that's what needs to happen here. This is the Sean Miller Podcast, presented by Deer Park Roofing. Now, here's your hosts, Paul Fritchner and Adam Baum. Welcome back to the Sean Miller Podcast, presented by Deer Park Roofing. Thanks to everybody, as always, for watching, subscribing, listening. However you consume this show, we appreciate it. Paul Fritchner, to my right, it is Adam Baum. And we are pleased to be joined today by two Xavier Hall of Famers, the voices of the Xavier Musketeers, Byron Larkin and Joe Sunderman. Due to some scheduling issues, Sean couldn't be with us this week, but we are very grateful to have the both of you, two Xavier legends, institutions here around this program. Uh, Joe, Byron, it's great to have you on. Uh, Thanks for being here. And and Byron, if I could start with you, and I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this. We're doing this podcast. We're relatively new to this podcast, but you guys have doing been doing this coaches show with Sean at Dilly Bistro for a while. So Adam and I were wondering if you guys had any advice on how to do a show with Sean Miller. Ask good questions. <laughs> like he says, don't take dumb shots. <laughs> don't ask dumb questions. <laughs> no, I, Sean is great. I mean, Sean is easy to deal with. You guys have dealt with him. I know Adam, you have covering the team and and uh, Paul, you've you've been around him enough that he. The thing I love about Sean, he's just he's the same way all always. Like yeah. if he's if they're winning, if they're losing, he he seems to be uh, even kill enough to answer your questions and engage with him. So my advice is just just be yourself because that's <laughs> what he's going to be. Yeah, Joe, no, I've watched your podcast. It's excellent. I would just keep doing what you have been doing in the past. And uh, Sean is a pleasure to work with. He gives nice, in-depth, detailed answers. He'll anticipate your question sometimes and even answer that question before you maybe actually get to it, which, which is fine because um, generally I know people like to hear from Sean Miller say more than, you know, Byron and Joe when you're certainly talking about the team. And he's excellent at that. But your show's great. I wouldn't change anything. Well, I think you're doing a great we job. We appreciate that, Sean. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Well, again, you guys have been around this program for so long. Uh, Byron, 2,696 points in your career. You guys have been broadcasting together since the 1998-1999 season. So you're going on, what, 25 years, close to 25 years that you all have been broadcasting together. And, and Joe, I want to ask you this, um, you know, and, and we'll get into your playing career. We'll get into all of that. But from a broadcasting perspective, and I've been fortunate enough to pursue a broadcasting career over the last eight years or so since I was a freshman here at Xavier in, in 2015. And I think one of the most interesting things that I find in, in your path in broadcasting is that as a play-by-play guy, you are a player. And a lot of times the former players are on as an analyst, you know, Byron, you come on and and you're Joe's analyst for the game. And maybe people don't know the intricacies of broadcasting, but generally it's the play-by-play person is somebody who has done that for their career. And then the player or the former coach or whoever it is, is their partner. Well, Joe, you stepped right into that role and you've done it so well for so long and so many iconic Xavier moments are tied to your voice. What was that like for you to get that call and to know that you were going to be the next voice of this program? Well, quite frankly, it's not a call I wanted. Andy, <laughs> Mag, Andy Mag Williams, sensational play-by-play guy, a legend in his the own best. right. Yeah. Wonderful at hockey, wonderful at basketball. He's called Cincinnati Reds. He's done it all. And he had the voice problem. 
And uh, he was actually getting uh, treatment for that for a number of years when I worked with Andy. And finally, the treatments weren't as effective as they had been in the past. And it became difficult for him to complete a sentence. So we just simply um, switched roles. There was a night we were on a, a bus. I think it was in South Florida. And he said, hey, I'm having trouble tonight. You've got to do the play-by-play. -play. And it's like I had about a half hour's notice, <laughs> which was probably probably a blessing. You nice. know, I ended up doing the coach's yeah. interview. And mm -hmm. the next thing I know, I'm doing some play-by-play. -play. But uh, I'd been around it enough. And uh, I'm fortunate I have a, a boy and a girl as children. They love sports. And I would do play-by-play -play with them in the backyard and we're shooting baskets. So in a sense, I had been practicing without even realizing it, I guess, would be uh, part of maybe my preparation for it. But if you're around it enough and, uh, uh, you know, I work with a lot of uh, announcers here at Xavier. I work first with Bill Sorrell and then a guy named Red Pitcher who used to call the basketball the pumpkin <laughs> and uh, Dale McMillan. And then finally, Andy McWilliams. Um, we worked together on TV for a while. And also, he got us on 55 and 700, which we're still enjoying uh, today. There's a name you might want to remember. It's Dave Piontek, great Xavier basketball player, played in the NBA for a number of years. He did the play-by-play -play when I was here at Xavier for a number of years, and he was a former player. So a little bit of a tradition here, perhaps. You know, Dave was there first. I love it. Yeah. Well, and, and Byron, for you to get that call and, and now to have enjoyed these last couple of decades together on mm -hmm. the air, What's it like for you from your perspective where, you know, your jersey's in the rafters and you get to come back here every every day uh, and, and whether it's practice and games and everything like that and still be around this program, but also to work with somebody like Joe where you have a bobblehead together and, and everything else that you guys have done over the last couple of decades, but still to be able to contribute to this program in this way? Uh, it's special, uh, Paul. You know, um, you know, my decision to come and play at Xavier – um, was bigger and better than I ever dreamed it would become. Um, because I always knew I wanted to play college basketball somewhere. I wanted to play in the NBA. I played professionally overseas for a couple years, and then that didn't work. I mean, after five or six years of doing that, I knew I wanted to come back and, and just get resettled. And kind of like Joe, when I first got the call from Joe Frederick, who worked at 700, he says, hey, B, you want to do the uh, Xavier games on the radio? I'm like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> a lot of traveling and, uh, you know, I just want to move on. And But he convinced me. He's like, hey, B, you'll like it. Just give it a shot, you know. And I begrudgingly said, well, I, I, after I met, well, after I agreed with Joe Frederick, you know, I just, I started, I met Joe. Well, I knew Joe, but I really didn't know him. So, I came in for like a mock interview, if you will. So they sat a TV in front of us and two mics and Joe was with me and we just kind of called the game. It was an old game, obviously, and they recorded it and they, they said, we'll see how you do on this mock interview. So after we did the call, um, they listened to it and then they came back and says, okay, yeah, we want to offer you the deal. So it wasn't automatic for me, you know, I had to earn it, earn it, you know, but, um, but after I met Joe and, and got to spend some time with him and, um, it, it's just the best thing that I've ever done. It, it's truly a labor of love. I mean, it's some work, but it's kind of like playing because, you know, we have to prepare, you know, that's our practice. It's a, it's a team effort. You know, I have to work with Joe and get ready and discuss the game. And, and it's just, it's natural because I love 
watching basketball. I still play basketball. I'm going to watch it, you know, no matter what. So, um, so it's, it's truly a blessing and it's so much fun. I wake up in the morning, like, yeah, we got a game. (laughs) That's the first thing that's on my mind when I open my eyes and, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it makes me be a part of the team again, something that you miss when you, when you play high school and playing college, so much of your life is dedicated to the sport. You put so much time in, and sometimes when when you graduate and it's over, it get, it's it's kind of abrupt, you know. Yeah. It's um, and this brings me back to my playing days because I've got to perform, you know. I've got to practice. I'm working as a team. I have a teammate, and and you know it's showtime. You know yeah. when the lights are on and people are in the stands, you got to perform, and it's it's so much fun. The, the only difference is when you're broadcasting. When the game's over, you're not worrying about the next game. You're just worrying about where you're going to go eat after the game, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and the nice thing is, is in your relationship now, yeah. Joe's really the point guard. So the, the passing is not really up to I you. I like that, Adam. You get, you get to pass. <laughs> Might be the smartest thing you ever said. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll, ri- I'll rewind mm-hmm. the clock a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think no one can forget covid and when it happened, yeah. and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, sport. The sports world gets shut down, and at the time, I was working at the Cincinnati Enquirer, and I remember my boss called me, and he said, you know, we have to find a way to fill the sports section when no sports are being played. So, as you know, a writer and a reporter, I had to go out and find stories, stories that weren't tied to a sporting event or a game that was played. And one of the very first phone calls I made was to you guys. And I said, I want to write a story about you guys. And in hindsight, it was one of my favorite stories that I ever got to write. And the thing that was super interesting to me, and Byron already kind of touched on this, but this whole ordeal with broadcasting was not was unforeseen. Neither one of you set out to do this. Neither one of you, it was never your dream to be broadcasters, but here you are. And Byron, you kind of already told your story, but Joe, I love how you got introduced to this craft, if you don't mind taking us back. I had played two years at Xavier, finished my sophomore year. During the summer, I started having knee problems and uh, tried to play my junior year, but the knee just wasn't working right. So we got looked at and uh, Dr. Zenny operated on my knee, put me in a cast from my upper thigh down to my end of my toes is what they did back then. So that season was gone as far as basketball. That would have been my, my junior year. Well, in February, um, I had my surgery, I think, in January, maybe into January. Towards the end of February, the gentleman who was doing our games, who for I'm forever grateful, Bill Meredith. You know, he was a teacher, a coach, and a broadcaster. And actually, I got to, was a recipient of all three of his skills in my life here. I'm sitting on the bench at Schmidt, actually where we used to sit for the games, our home bench, watching practice. And he came over, he was kind of laughing. He said, hey, Sunderman, you're really not doing a whole lot, are you? <laughs> and I said, well, watching practice or whatever. Kind of, and, and he said, I need you to help me broadcast. On Friday night, I had gone to LaSalle High School. LaSalle was playing elder at LaSalle High School. And he said, would you come over and help me broadcast? Well, right away, I got a feeling in my stomach. That was the furthest thing from my mind. And I said, I, I don't know. He said, I need you. And I kind of took a step back, and he took a step towards me. He says, I'll need you on Friday night. I'll need you there by 6 o'clock. He said, show up, come up on the stage, sit at a table. 
So he kind of pushed my hand a little bit. And the next thing I know, I'm at LaSalle High School on a Friday night. We sit down at the table. And I, I quite said, hey, Mr. Meredith, what do I do now? <laughs> he said, it's easy. When I tap on the table, you talk. When I tap again, stop. <laughs> you know, and he was great about it. I mean, and we started, I'm going to tell you, like five minutes into it, I thought to myself, I like doing this. This is fun. And it felt kind of natural to me. And so we obviously finished that game. And I may have done another one that year with him. And um, then when I graduated two years later from Xavier, I worked some more high school games with him. And um, Bob Stack and the people at Xavier decided they want a former player to sit in on the broadcast. Well, there's a gentleman named Paul Olding that helped recruit me out of uh, Western Hills and LaSalle High School. And he was uh, also a parish member at St. Catherine's where I had gone to church. It was influential in me coming to Xavier in the first place. He said, well, I've heard Joe do the radio with Bill on the high school games. You might want to look at Joe. And Bob Stack endorsed that and made it happen for me. So I've got a lot of people to thank. Bill Meredith, Paul Holding, Bob Stack. So I get a phone call and they say, we'd like you to sit on the radio broadcast. And much like Byron, I thought, well, that would be a good experience for me personally to have to do that. And I thought, well, I'll do it for about two years. Now, we're sitting here right now. I started in... Uh, <laughs> 8081, so you can do the math on that. It's been 40-plus years uh, that I've been broadcasting Xavier basketball, and I've enjoyed pretty much every minute of it. It's been a real um, blessing in my life. There's really no other way to explain it. Yeah, I know. It's been a a real thrill to watch them go from Schmidt to the Gardens to where we're sitting now in this beautiful Cintas Center where they're selling out the games, 10,200, the excitement around it, and uh, what's been accomplished, you know, even on the campus of the university, in a part, you know, basketball has been part of that. So uh, uh, what a thrill. Yeah, I know a lot of Xavier fans are glad that that you're still doing this and you're still around. I Maybe two of the most just purely beloved people around this program. Um, We're well, glad to be here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. We are. We are. Joe, real quick, um, Elder won that game, right? Did they? Uh, <laughs> boy, that's right, you're an Elder grant. You know what? I don't think so. I really truthfully don't know, but I doubt it. Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember. It was, there was two great players. Mm-hmm. It was Gamford and a Fetter, Fetterman. And I think they – I know I broadcast one of their games. It might have been the. It might have been a couple years later. Uh, we did another Elder LaSalle game. Two great centers in the city coming out of high school. Fetterman went to Tennessee and Gamford ended up going to Purdue. Wow. Uh, but that was another one of those elder tilts. And, uh, oh, yeah. Of course, you were yeah. on a state bas- baseball team, right, that won the state. I was. Yeah, I was. that's a heck I was of the bullpen catcher. Hey, you don't know? sell yourself short. No, it was yeah. an important role. Someone had to warm up the pitchers. Well, did you guys uh, you, beat Moeller that year? You, you won the state, but did you beat Moeller that we year? We did, yeah. Byron. You're sure of that, aren't you? <laughs> we <did. laughs> We've got three-fourths of the GCS. We should have this interview on the west side. Yeah, that would have worked. No, we're fine right where we are. I'm on beat. The Sean Miller Podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Deer Park Roofing. Protect what's important with Deer Park Roofing's industry-leading training, expert attention to detail, and responsive service. From commercial and residential replacements to roof repairs, gutters, and more, request a free estimate today at DeerParkRoofing.com. That's DeerParkRoofing.com. My last question on the broadcasting, because we, we still want to talk a little more about your career. We want to talk about this current Xavier team and your thoughts on, on where this team stands. But one last broadcasting question from my perspective, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 
you guys have done so many iconic moments, whether it's the Elite Eights, whether it's you know, all the NCAA tournaments, whatever it might be. Is there one game that sticks out? Maybe it's not your favorite, but when you think of a broadcasting moment, you get asked this question. What's the first moment that comes to mind? I mean, most recently, an NIT championship. I mean, there's been a lot of moments, but what, Joe, you, you got to look on your face. West Virginia. B.J. Raymond made two shots, a three-pointer on the right wing on a pass that came from the other side of the court on an inbounds play. Then he had a shot, which Byron did a wonderful job on the broadcast. I think you can see it out in the halls out here. There's a big photograph of it where B.J. Raymond was open at the top of the key. And it was one of those plays, and Paul, you know you've done a lot of play-by-play, -play, where you can kind of see what's going to happen. You see it developing. You kind of got a little uh, sight into the future. Well, B.J. gets open, and you can see him start to coil for the shot, and Byron's going to have to help me here, but you said, what did you say at the I time? I said, do it, do it, B.J., do it. And he kind of shouted <laughs> it, it with emphasis. The next thing, B.J. lost that three-point shot, and it spins to the bucket, going through the string. Xavier beats West Virginia, yep. and they advance to the Elite Eight. That's uh, – I actually have a photograph um, in my office at home of Byron and myself in the background with BJ taking one of those two shots. It's a great picture. We showed that during his oh, during yeah. the episode. Yeah, and the, the, your reaction right <laughs> yeah, behind yeah, is yeah. just iconic. Yeah, that it's was great. It's, uh, and I'm thrilled that BJ Raymond's an assistant coach yeah. here. And every once in a while, I'll remind him of the thrill he gave me when he made those two <laughs> shots. Yep. So. Byron, uh, I guess my favorite moment was this was a game that Xavier did not win. This was, I think, in. We were on the West Coast. Xavier was playing against Kansas State. Oh, yeah. And I think we went to overtime. Uh, Kenny Freeze was on that team. But to Holloway, it was a back and forth game. Great uh, game. Uh, I think Crawford was playing for Xavier yeah. at the time. I'm yeah. not sure. But I know to Holloway was, was on the team. And it was, it was a close game back and forth. So close. I think it was maybe the, the, the last game in that region for the day. And, you know, this was on the West Coast and not a lot of Xavier fans, not a lot of Kansas State fans, but the fans that were there just were so into it because it was back and forth. And to, uh, two Holloway gets fouled with no with point one seconds on the clock and the entire arena was standing up because they were so on the edge of the, their seats to see what was going to happen. And at the end of the year, I get really nervous on games a little bit more <laughs> because I don't want this to end. Yeah. You know, it's the NCAA tournament. You lose, you go home. So I was a little bit more on edge than normal. So I remember him going to the free throw line and there was so much pressure. And that, that was such a pressure spot. And... Two Holloway went to the free throw line. They were down three with less than a second to go. Everyone's on their feet. And he steps to the free throw line, just cold as the other side of the pillow, man. One, two, three. He made three free throws in the row. The entire, like, season was on the line at that point. And the ice in his veins, I was, I was so nervous, I couldn't even speak. You know, I was just sitting there with my mouth open, like half praying. And Joe was just, 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 just continues to, to, to go on. I mean, there, he's, the, the thing I love about him, he never gets nervous. You know, if I get 
tongue tied for a second. I know Joe will just pick it up and just keep on going, you know. So I, I hope I don't do that as much as I used to. But <laughs> no, you do a great I'm job. I'm still a work in progress. But anyway, but yeah, Joe just kind of kept talking us through that. And I just remember being so impressed with the grit of Two Holloway in that moment. The gravity of that moment was just iconic and awesome uh, to be a part of. And Xavier ended up losing in overtime. But it to me, that was the biggest moment uh, as a broadcaster that I'd ever experienced. I think that game eats me alive more than maybe any other because what people forget about that game is that if Xavier had won that game, they would have played Butler in the next round to go to the Final Four. And Xavier had already played Butler that season and just narrowly, it might have been by one point, two points, had just barely lost to Butler earlier in that season. And I, I don't remember who on that team, but I remember talking to somebody on that team a, a couple of years ago and just thinking about the opportunity that you had to play Butler to then go to the final four that you didn't get because you lost to Kansas State in, in double overtime. But Paul, how old what, were you when that time happened? So hey, you were, here, were you in diapers get, get or what? Ready for, this, ready for this one. So I was, I was, I'm, I'm from Northern Virginia. I've mentioned that before here on yep. the show. I'm from Northern Virginia. I was, I was in bed. I think I was, uh, I'd have been like 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12. Uh, I don't know, somewhere in there. 10, 11, 12, some 13, I don't know, somewhere in there. <laughs> but it was before every NCAA tournament game was broadcasted everywhere. So I remember my mom was still awake downstairs and I could hear her screaming because she was watching the little animated guys on like the the sports tracker, the game tracker oh, yeah. online. Yeah. And you just had yeah. to watch the little animated ball <laughs> shoot into the basket. Yes. And yeah. she's screaming when the little guys, you know, making the shot, missing the shot. I'm, I'm waking, I'm going, it's one, because that game was in Salt Lake City. Yes. So yep. it's a yep. time change. Yep. Hey, oh man, that was, that, <laughs> that was that's brutal on young Paul, but here we are. <laughs> there here we are. are. Here we are. So, so many years later. There's, uh, mm. there's a lot of people that would like to see Two Holloway's jersey hanging up there near yours. At yeah, the top I totally agree. Yeah. Remember when he was a freshman, they played Memphis and Puerto Rico? I think Memphis might have been fourth in the country. I think he went, what, 10 for 10 from the free throw line yes. of that ball game. That was a little yeah. foreshadowing. It to, was. Oh, yeah, he, was a big, uh, he was a big shot kind of guy. That Moments like that are a great indication of what a player's headspace is like and what their mentality is like in those big moments. Like, if you can take advantage of those things you cement your legacy and you remind people that, look, no matter how big the moment is, I'm ready for it. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing because you see people watch the guys go out there and, you know, they'll miss a free throw and they'll be like, how can you miss that free throw? You do it in front of 10,000 people with your season on the line. And these, these these players are, are still kids, you know, 18 to 21 year old, 22. Well, now it's a transfer portal and, uh, you know, you got some older dudes out there, <laughs> but still they're not fully formed people yet. And I just want people to realize like, Hey, they're, they're nervous. You're at home watching the game. You're nervous. They're nervous as well, but they just have to go out there to perform. So it's a little harder. So when I broadcast, I try to remind people of that, that it's just not, Automatic. You just don't make every layup. You don't make every free throw. The guys aren't trying to miss. It's just sometimes it's hard. You know, it's it's hard. They, you have to develop confidence. You have to do a lot of things that people assume. Like, well, how can you miss that jump shot? How can you miss that free throw? It's just a little harder than it looks. And you know, when people kind of 
appreciate that. That's that's what I, I, I try to convey to them um, sometimes when, they get, when the game's going on. I'm ashamed to admit, me and Paul got some shots up today. I went 12 to 20 from the free throw line, Byron, which is not going to cut it. And to your point, it's not easy, you know? <laughs> well, just put some people in the stands. It gets harder. Turn off everything. <laughs> put some television <laughs> all, all cameras those, in there. 10,000 <laughs> sets of eyes on you. Yeah. You need to add that into it somewhere. Oh, yeah. Joe, yeah. what do you remember from your career and now watching the games and broadcasting and your perspective of, you know, what these players are dealing with and, and what they're trying to accomplish here and with so much attention on them now? This particular season right now? It, it, just in general, yeah, especially with this year. Well, I've never met a college player that wasn't trying 100% for starters. Everyone's trying, everyone who walks out there wants to be successful. I do think experience has an awful lot to do with it. I know when I, when I came to Xavier, I was probably I was six, eight and a half, um, 190 pounds. I was 18 years old. My birthday was like July 22nd, so I was young. And what you don't realize, if you're that thin, you need, like Byron said, the older you get, the stronger you get, the easier, easier it is not to foul, the easier it is to maybe play better from, a, from a, uh, a situation of being a post player or something along those lines. But experience is such a factor. And this particular team we have this year, we have 10 new players trying to mesh it together. Something as simple as who takes the most shots? Who gets six shots a game? Who gets 10? Who gets eight? Where do you take them from? And working that on a, on a smooth basis where they're not really kind of uh, working. I think that's coming around. It's interesting with the stat sheet here. Um, you know, they lose a game because they don't shoot well. Then they shoot well and they lose a game because they turn it over a lot. They, and they got another game, they do that well, but they don't rebound well. And, but they've done all, they've shot well. They've had low turnover games. They've rebounded well in some games. Somehow they just got to put it all together. That's not a guarantee they will or they won't. Um, but I can guarantee you, I've been to a lot of practices. As I know you guys watch them. And they practice hard every single day with great enthusiasm. Sooner or later, that's got to pay off. The Sean Miller Podcast is proud to partner with Payroll Partners, where you're not just a number. That means providing a best-in-class HR and payroll experience that was built on award-winning technology and live support customer service with a dedicated payroll specialist who's just a phone call away. You shouldn't have to choose between technology and customer service. At Payroll Partners, you get both. Payroll Partners is locally owned and operated by a proud Xavier alum. For more information or to request a free demo, visit payrollpartners.net. That's payrollpartners.net. But I am curious, like there had to be moments in your career where things did not go the way that you wanted them to go. And as a leader, as someone who prided themselves on being a leader of a team, what's the what's it look like to work your way out of it? Like, how do you get how do you find your way back? That's the one thing I remember uh, most. You don't always have instant success. You'll lose some games. In fact, when I came to Xavier, I think the year before I came here or two years prior, they had won three. Then they had won nine. So we were building to try to get to 500. And I, I think I mentioned this at the time on a podcast. We finally beat Duquesne my sophomore year. I actually had Norm Nixon was on the team. Who then, then I've watched playing the pros for years and kind of had an interest because I actually we played against him at Schmidt. And we won that game. And that was towards the end of the season. You know, I don't know how many people we had in the stands. There weren't there weren't there weren't a whole lot. 
but they stood up and I and, and if I remember it correctly, we kind of got a, we got a standing ovation, and it's because we finally guaranteed a season over 500, and it had been the first time I'm thinking in maybe 10 or 11 years Xavier had surpassed that mark. So it was, um, you know, a difficult deal. In fact, when I played at Xavier, we'd play um, Marquette two times, Detroit two times, Dayton two times, Notre Dame and Cincinnati. They were all top 20 teams. So right away, if you look at the schedule. It could be very difficult at times. The rest of the schedule was more something you could manage. But you still have to practice. You still have to be there. Uh, on every team, especially when crunch moments, uh, players are going to defer to certain, certain guys. And I wanted to be that guy. And that was my responsibility. I just felt it because that's what I learned from Ralph Lee, who used to be my captain for two years. He left. And it was like, okay, I'm assuming that responsibility. I have no problem with that. So that's just kind of what I took on. You know, when you see a team that, that's struggling, you just have to, to do it every day in practice. You have to practice better. Um, I think the better you practice, the better you're going to perform. It's, it's not a mystery, you know. Uh, if you want to shoot better, you have to make more shots in practice. You have to come in and do the extra work. And, you know, I, I think some people are asking, like, what's the what's there's a mystery about being successful. And I I truly believe that it's not. It's the guys who put in the most work are usually the better pro players. The guys who who practice the most usually perform better. The guys who read the most are usually your best students. The guys who are at the range enough <laughs> all the times so are usually their best golfers. It's the Thank guys you. who put in the work and you get the results. It's very simple. That's what I was taught, uh, you know, from my parents about if you want to be successful in anything. And so when things are not going better and we're not going well, you have to get into the details and really sure those things up. And that's kind of how you get out of it. But it, you got to be led by some of the, pl by the players. I think, Bad teams, there's no leadership. Medium teams are led by their coaches. Great teams are led by their players. And that's what needs to happen here for Xavier to turn things around. I think most good teams uh, are led by their best players who are their hardest workers. So, um, you know, when I first came to Xavier, I was... Um, my first two years, we had four seniors or four upperclassmen. So I, I was kind of, I was the, the young guy in, until, you know, Ralph Lee, uh, Richie Harris, uh, Walt McBride, Eddie Johnson, you know, guys like that. They, they were the upperclassmen. So I was just kind of the little brother, you know, yeah. uh, playing my role, still doing my thing. Then after they left, I just felt a sense of responsibility. I'm like, now this is my team. It's my responsibility to set the tone. Joe, you were going to say well, something? Well, I go back even to the Bob Stack here. I think it's Steve Wolf who was part of that team. He was captain for Bob Stack. And he was given the task of sort of keeping the players going the right direction. And yet Ralph Lee was a sensational captain. You learned from him. Then you've got Byron Larkin. And there's been a nice uh, string of uh, – players that were vocal and uh, were able to speak their mind 
to their fellow teammates, and uh, and that is important. Um, they have that even if they are not the best player, but they're they're a decent player and they participate. Some guys just wear that mantle well. Dante Jackson did when he played here. I mean, he would tell everybody and anybody if you weren't in the right spot and do it in a way that they respected him and uh, make the team better. Yeah. But uh, I got to tell you a story about my buddy Byron here, if, if I may. Absolutely. One of the reasons he's here is um, the Ohio State NIT game at the Gardens. Yeah. He was trying to decide where to go. And, you know, my buddy here had offers from around the world. <laughs> he could have played football or, or, or basketball basically anywhere in the country. And some schools said, you can come play both. Now, if they played a lot or not, that would have been interesting to see. But like mm -hmm. Michigan, uh, Purdue, and on and on. But he went to the Gardens and watched the Ohio State Xavier NIT game, and the Gardens was just rocking. It was a spectacular environment, and he enjoyed that enough. And he said that was the pebble on the side of going to Xavier that tilted the scales in our favor, which was a monumental pebble. I want to tell you what. You know, his, his jerseys in the rafters, the points. A, a young man coming from Cincinnati, Moeller, stirred all the local interest, and uh, uh, it had, you know, his yielded tremendous results. It helped that, that he could play, too. You know, yeah, he's he a pretty play. good player. Uh, I, I was doing the color uh, the analyst back then, right? So Andy said, what do you need to do? I said, well, let me think about it. I'll give the ball to Byron. <laughs> and Byron accepted that ball willingly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Your Absolutely. shooting percentage is over 50%, right? Yes, For it your was. career. So, yes, sir. You know, I'm yes, thinking sir. if I'm coaching him and I kind of laugh about this, I would make him shoot till he lowered that to 49% because yeah. you're getting good results, right? Joe, yeah. I could have played for you. Yeah, I let, yeah, I let you shoot. I also gave you that big green light. Yeah, but, uh, certainly hard to when you get ten new guys on a team though. That's it's another difficult. thing. How do you sort that out? Although I do think if you're talking about this year's team, I think McKnight, Oliveri, some of the guys like that. Desmond Claude is only a sophomore; he could fill that uh, that role. But uh, to be determined if someone really emerges really strongly. And this is an opportunity for some of the other players to make some noise. Kachienzi, uh, Reed Ducharme; those guys have not been part of the mix. When you're struggling and things aren't going well, coaches are looking for an answer. This would be the time to step up and practice and show these coaches like, oh, man, this guy is, you know, this, this guy who maybe I haven't given the opportunity to, maybe I should give him an opportunity. Now, it's not just going to happen just because, oh, I haven't played you in a long time. Let's, let's see what happens. No, you have to prove it to them in practice. You have to earn that playing time. So... You know, if I'm a guy who is not part of the rotation, this is a great time to open some eyes in practice to give you an opportunity to get out there and play. Now, once you get out there, you got to produce uh, because that's the bottom line. But, you know, this, this is an opportunity. I mean, and then the other thing is uh, a lot of what can't get lost is the play of Quincy Olivari. Everybody's kind of all in arms about Xavier losing to Delaware, but we saw one of the best performances of, of, a, of a Xavier player in a long time. He scored 34 points. He was over 50% from the field. He, he did everything. He made all his free throws. He got to the free throw line, and no one's talking about that, but we have to recognize that, that, you know, that Quincy came in as a big-time scorer, and now we're starting to see that out of him. So that's something to build on. And um, so you just got to kind of remember all those things. Um, uh, it, and again, I, I just, just want to make sure that I recognize him for because he has really stepped up and been a bright 
stop a bright light in a couple of games that haven't gone Xavier's way. The Sean Miller Podcast is brought to you by Deer Park Roofing, and their company motto is protect what's important. Deer Park is not just another storm-chasing roofing company. They're invested in your community and truly care about the people in it. You can trust them to do the job right. Deer Park has highly trained professional technicians who make sure your residential or commercial roofing system is installed correctly and quickly. For a free estimate, visit DeerParkRoofing.com today. That's DeerParkRoofing.com. When this year's team, and and you guys have now talked a lot about this year's team, and I think, Joe, you said something a few minutes ago where you were talking about recruiting and Byron, where you came to the gardens and you saw this environment, Mm -hmm. and you said, I want to be a part of this. And now Xavier has a CentOS Center and this environment and the crowd behind them and everything that this crowd means to this team. And I think this year... When you look at this team and, and you foster connections with players over the years, you think of guys like Two Holloway or J.P. Makura, Trayvon Blewett, some of these legends that have come mm-hmm. through here in the last decade. Um, that's just to name a few. Now you have so many new players that you're trying to learn about, trying to build a connection with and trying to put your support behind. But maybe things haven't started the way that you're hoping they would have started. So, you know, from a fan base that has always been so good and so supportive of these teams and, and means so much to this program, what do you think it means to these players to know and look around and see that this arena still night in and night out, no matter what happens, it's still full, it's still there, and the fans are still behind a team like that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the support here at Xavier is has always been unbelievable. I mean... Uh, they're, they've been behind this team. Uh, this program has they're an int- integral part of of what Xavier is all about. I mean, Sean talks about it all the time after the game. Say, yeah. I'd like to gr- thank the crowd because he realized that that doesn't happen everywhere. So, um, but I think that there has to be some realism too as to what this team is. I mean, we're we're, we're finding out that it's just not add water, and you just can't just assume that oh, we're going to be good next year just because there won't be growing pains uh, of a team. And that's what I think we're seeing here and how difficult college recruiting, the transfer portal, how all that comes together is not automatic. You know, Xavier has 10 new players, you know, three international players. We've never had three international players come in at one time. Um, Four transfers and Sometimes those transfers work out and they come together early. Sometimes they come together late. Sometimes they don't come together at all. That's what makes, uh, that's one of the things I love about doing this is that you get to see a new situation every year. Um, and I, 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 and I like to see a guy like Desmond Claude. I mean, last year he averaged 4.8 points a game and there'd be games where he just was kind of out there and, not really part of the in the mix now he is the man for this team he is the go-to guy and for him to put in that work in the offseason for him to be able to perform it's one thing to be able to just call on him hey you need to be the guy for us it's another thing to be able to come through so and do that and that's a testament to Desmond all his work in the offseason to prepare his body to prepare his mindset that 
at the end of the game and someone needs a bucket, give me the ball. You know, I, I want the ball. So that that's a testament to his hard work. And I think it's great. But, you know, I think just just I think Xavier needs to the fan base needs to realize that, you know, sometimes it, it takes time for things to develop. I believe we have one of the best coaches in the country. Sean Miller is going to get the most out of this team. Whatever that is, we're going to find out. But, uh, and, and as Joe says, you come to practice, you guys go to practice. <laughs> you know, they are working their rear ends off every day. No, like, detail goes unchecked. I mean, they film every practice. They know the, the three-point percentage of every player in every practice. They review that. I mean, the, the attention to detail, I tell Joe, well, I wish I played now. To have <laughs> access to this gym 24-7. You can get up in the middle of the night and turn on the lights, get the gun out and get up a 1,000 shots. I mean, that's inc incredible. When, when we played, coach used to say, hey, pay somebody to, recruit, to rebound for you when you go and, <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of tough to do. And, yeah, and by the way, the gym is only open, you know, four to six today. And so you had to really work to have the situation to be better, to be a better player. But this facility, um, the practice facilities, all the uh, resources they have to get better. Yeah. It's just, it's just great. And for Joe and I to be able to see what it was to what it is now, it's just, it's wonderful. Joe. But just real quickly, the atmosphere we have here is not a given around college basketball. It's really kind of unique and amazing, and uh, I never forget the time we went and played Clemson, and it was, you know, I thought we're going to big league, big game. It might have been half full, you know. I had assumed they'd sell it out. Um, this is a special environment. I know the players appreciate it, and I know the Xavier fans are the greatest. They travel extremely well too, which is an indicator. People either from around, if you're traveling. Um, anywhere in the country, you'll have fans that live around there show up at the game, and you also have fans from Cincinnati traveling and root on their musketeers. So there's a, a good relationship between the fans and the players. And uh, uh, was it Skip Prosser that said a season's a lifetime? I can't quite remember. It might have been one of his quotes. Um, but it is, and that's one of the things I kind of love about it. So there's a lot, lot of ups and downs to go yet, and hopefully uh, we have more ups and downs. But uh, still, a lot to, still a lot to be revealed. I think he also, Skip, also said – when you're having a season that you're losing, it seems like it's 31 game seasons. It's, oh, you, you won a game. It's great. Okay, you lost. Oh, now it, 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 it's, it's, you're down. Oh, then you won another one. So that, that is, it's like, a, like 31 game seasons versus when you're winning, it's just one 30 game season. Yeah. You know, you don't remember the games as much when you're winning. But you better believe you're going to win all those games. You're going to remember all the games you lose. And I, I just remember him saying that. And that is truly accurate on what's going in that locker room because they are, you know, they are, you think we think about Xavier not being successful or when, when Xavier has a loss. There's no one on this planet that thinks more about that than the coaches and those players in that locker room. You don't have to remind them. They, they know, yeah. and it's their entire world. And, you know, we just got to remember that, that they're, they're, they're trying as hard as they can. Yeah, I think uh, like a season, so much unexpected happens. And 
I, I guess to to tie a bow on this whole thing, um, you know, I, the fact that you guys are where you are today because of something unexpected happened in your lives and you decided to follow through with it. And one of my favorite things about both of you guys is how this has given you each the friendship that you have with the other person. And, you know, I mentioned that story that I read. Yeah. And I wanted to, to bring this up here. Um, this is a quote from Byron. It's kind of an unexpected thing that I've gotten one of my best friends out of this. I like being around good people, and Joe is the best person I've ever met. Sunderman paused for a long moment when asked about his relationship with Larkin. Well, it means a lot. It's a special gift that's been given to both of us. If you know Byron, you love Byron. And then the good news for Xavier fans is Larkin and Sunderman aren't going anywhere. I look at him sometimes like, Joe, how long you want to do this, said Larkin. And he'll say, I don't know, B, how long you want to do this? Until they take the mic out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> so That's I think, so true. <laughs> you know, I think like it, it's not outside the realm of possibility. If I had to lobby for something in my lifetime, I want a Byron and Joe statue out in front of Cintas Center. I think that's how important you two guys are to this place. That's how much you're loved. Mm -hmm. And I just, I go to these other campuses and I cover other teams. And I think like, do they have two guys who are ambassadors and representatives of their school and their program like Xavier has? And I think it's really cool that you guys are here and that Xavier fans have you guys in their lives. Well, I sure appreciate those comments, but I'm thrilled with the bobbleheads. I'm satisfied. A life-size bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, bottom yeah. line is we have we enjoy doing yeah. this, and we feel very fortunate to be sitting here, even doing this interview, and to get to sit up at Centos and do these games. And we tell ourselves that all the time. So yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, we we really we love it. I mean, just because we both played here, we're both from Cincinnati. We both believe in this university. We believe this is the best school in the world, you know. Um, and we both bleed blue. Um, I think it. We're both from uh, the GCL, so I think we have that that common background, common values, and you know, he's become my best friend. I mean, we. We go on vacations together. We play golf together. We're, you know, at our kids' weddings. And it's just, you know, it's a relationship. Our wives are, are, are really enjoy being together. So shout out Terry and Mary Lynn. <laughs> shout out to Terry and Mary Lynn. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just truly, we just love it. And I think we're both nice people. That probably helps. You know, helps we understand that. You know, fans want to be heard, and you know it. It doesn't take a lot of energy to be nice. Uh, I, I just think being nice and being a good person goes a long way. And I think I've learned a lot of that from Joe, because uh, Joe has really showed kind of he's kind of the leader of our group. You know, just because he's got a couple more you know years under years his on own <laughs> <laughs> broadcasting. But you know, we just love it. It's it's a labor of love, and you know, we just love everything about Xavier basketball. 
Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Adam and I sincerely appreciate you guys taking some time today to talk about this program and, and your careers and everything else. So thank you guys. Paul yeah. Adam, thanks for having us on. Future recurring guests. That's right. On the absolutely. Sean podcast. Yeah. Let's you do to it. Come back maybe. Yeah. Huh? That's mm -hmm. absolutely I'm right. I'm thinking maybe we do an episode or something where it's like we're on the golf course <laughs> and that Josh has the cameras rolling and they just follow us for around just, just as far as long as Josh can kind of edit some of my shots. <laughs> put a you do that for me, Josh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the only way I'll do it. <laughs> no, we appreciate you guys being here yes. yeah absolutely and mm -hmm. thank you to everybody for watching and listening thanks as always to our presenting sponsor deer park roofing and all of our sponsors that help make this show possible make sure if you haven't already you subscribe to our youtube channel you follow us on all social media platforms at sean miller pod we'll see you next time on the sean miller podcast this has been the sean miller podcast presented by deer park roofing with your hosts paul fritchner and adam Baum. Join us again soon for another episode with the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers, Sean Miller.